Welcome to Young Adults at Christ Fellowship. We are a community of young adults from all corners of the globe. I was on the chat earlier. Shout out to David in Miami. I'm so glad you're joining us tonight. And we gather together every single week here on our channel to worship, open up the word of God. Then we jump into groups over Zoom. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Lewis, and I want to say welcome home. We are honored that you are with us tonight. We already host, we, we already did that, didn't we? We welcomed everybody. Ah, man, I, I, I did it again. I, I always end up welcoming for too long. I'm supposed to just say, hi, I'm Lewis. Glad you're here. But, but it's his family. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to do this together. Let, let, let's try it again. I'll, I'll try to change. <laughs> Oops, I, I did it again. How many times have we said that? How many times did, did Brittany say that? How often do we end up doing the exact things that we try to avoid? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you, but in my house, I'm the one who goes around and makes sure this, all the lights are off at the end of the night. But I can get tired at the end of the night. I get in bed, I, I get ready, I drink my water, and then this little beam of light starts streaking in from the kitchen. You know what I'm talking about? I did it again. Got all comfortable and now I have to go turn the lights off again. That's a first world problem, but that's a real one. And my home, can you imagine? It's frustrating. First world. Sometimes uh, we say, oops, I did it again because we failed to do something small like turn off the lights. But I, I really feel it whenever I fail at something big. Oops, I did it again. You ever felt that way? Oops, I did it again. I cheated on the exam. I really didn't mean to. I just, I just needed to pass. I, I promise. I, I want to be honest, but oops, I, I did it again. I, I know I... I smoked, it hurts me. I know that it's not God's plan and God, not God's heart for me, but ah, did it again. I went out last night. I had, I had too many. I, I met up with somebody I can't remember. I, I regret the whole thing. Oops, I, I did it again. My, my boyfriend, my, my girlfriend, we went too far. We crossed that boundary. Oops, I, I did it again. I looked at porn. I feel so ashamed, but oops, I, 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 I did it again. Have you felt that way? I feel for you. I, I've been there. We all have, but there is so much hope tonight. Oops, I did it again. There is more grace than you can imagine. Oops, I did it again. There is more mercy, forgiveness, and healing for you and I. There is redemption and restoration. It's all because of Jesus. A guy named Peter in the Bible, he knows about this. One time he was with Jesus, listening to him teach when the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and threw her in front of Jesus, in front of the whole entire crowd. They wanted to cancel her because of her sin. Well, they actually wanted to, to kill her because of her sin. It's crazy. But there they stood, ready to judge her, expose her shame, cut her off from community. Have you ever felt that way? Like if anybody ever found out what you really did, that they would judge you, shame you, cancel you. Peter is, he's there. He's in the crowd. He's watching all of this goes down. And Jesus steps up. Uh, Jesus, who was totally perfect, said anybody who's perfect can throw the first stone. But but nobody's perfect except Jesus. Jesus was the only one who could judge her, but he didn't. Why? Because his grace is enough and his grace would cover her. And then Jesus tells her to get up, to go 
and to sin no more. He wasn't giving her a pass. He was calling her up to her potential. And the same is true tonight. What we're talking about tonight, sin that, that keeps us in this cycle of, oops, I did it again. I wanted to do better, but oops, I did it again. That sin is real and many are stuck in it. But what you don't want to do, what I don't want you to miss tonight is that you are not the only one. That woman was thrown in the middle of the crowd, but you're not the only one who sins. The devil wants you to feel like you're alone. You're not. Can I say his grace is more than enough for you. There is nothing that you have done that Jesus cannot forgive. You're not too far gone. But Jesus doesn't give out get out of jail for free cards like we're playing Monopoly. No, Jesus calls us to holiness. He wants the best for us. Our call is to go and sin no more. So as we're jumping into this, we need to remember that we're not the only ones who struggle, that his grace is enough for us, but our call is to higher and greater things. Peter knows all of this. He saw the woman's face as she realized that she was forgiven. He saw her step into freedom. Peter knew all of it. He knew who Jesus was. He knew the heart of God. Peter saw Jesus meet people where they were, forgive their sin and call them to a life of freedom. Peter pretty much went through the journey. He was in a group, served on the dream team, never missed a young adult service, never. You know, sometimes you and I can have all the information, go to all the events, but none of the transformation. None of the transformation that comes from spending time with Jesus and his people. Peter was familiar with saying, oops, I did it again. You may be familiar with the story of Peter when he denied Jesus. Maybe you remember a few details about a rooster and a dramatic look from Jesus. I, I love this scene in the Jesus movies, by the way. Peter promises like, Lord, I will never deny you. But Jesus predicts the future, says you, you will deny me. And you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And within a few hours, Peter denied Jesus three times. Oops, he did it again. And then this rooster crows in the distance. And if, if you've never watched the movie, Jesus looks over in such a dramatic way. And that rooster crows so, so dramatically. It's awesome. I'm going to give that rooster an, an Oscar. It's awesome. But how did Peter fall so suddenly? How was he so vulnerable? How were... Are we so vulnerable? I think that we're vulnerable when we're overly confident. Mark 14, 31, when Jesus predicted Peter's denial, Peter blurted out, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. That didn't age very well. Now I'm reminded of 1 Peter 10, 12. It says, be, when you are standing firm, be careful because you're, you're about to fall. Pride comes before a fall. None of us are immune to sin's disease. We are all always one decision away from stupid. And we need to be on guard and alert. Peter thought there was no way that he would ever deny Jesus. But within the night, he made every decision he swore he would never make. You and I have to be careful about how highly we think of ourselves. Back to the story. I think we're, I think we're vulnerable when we're alone. Jesus is arrested. All the disciples scatter. This verse is devastating, but Mark 15, 54, I want you to read it sometime. It says, meanwhile, Peter followed Jesus at a distance and went right into the priest's courtyard. Did you catch that? At a distance. And Peter used to follow so closely to Jesus, but now he's at a distance. He's alone. I think about our pastor, Pastor Todd. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right now, Peter has no friends around him. 
His future is going nowhere. He's literally surrounded by people who hate Jesus. This is not a setup for a good decision, but how often do we find ourselves surrounded by people who are not setting us up for good decisions? Reading Peter's story, I think that we're vulnerable when we are compromisingly comfortable. Wow, look at what he does next. John 18, 18, because it was cold, I like guess it's been cold in Florida this, this winter. I'm tired of it. But because it was cold, the household servants and the guards made a fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. So cold Mediterranean night. Everybody was chilly. They had their jackets on. But Luke tells us that when Jesus was praying a little bit earlier, he was praying so intensely that he was sweating. At this moment, Jesus had been arrested. He was being beaten. He was in an unjust trial. And on that cold night, Peter just wanted to be comfortable. It, it would all be better if he was a little warm. If he could, he'd be so comfortable if he could just get a little bit of warmth. He wanted comfort more than character. He was willing to compromise for comfort, warming himself by the fire while Jesus was out suffering in the cold. We're vulnerable when we're confident. We're vulnerable when we're alone and we are vulnerable when we choose compromise to get comfort. But what if we fail? What do we do when we do it again? How do we get up? How do we find freedom? How do we get out of this vicious cycle of sin that we find ourselves in? I'm convinced when I look in scripture, the very word of God, that there is hope for us. I, I want us to hear this right now. We are not stuck in our, Jesus changed the game. Jesus changed everything. When Jesus went to the cross, our lives changed completely. And now while we do have freedom, and that there is hope and that everything has changed. You and I need to take some steps, some actions to find that freedom. And, and here's, here's the truth. Here's the first thing that we need to write down tonight, that we need to remember to take home with us. We need to believe what Jesus said. If you are finding yourself in a cycle of sin, if you are finding yourselves doing the thing that you said you never would do again, if you keep going back to your accountability partner, if you keep praying, Lord, I did it again. Oops, I did it again. We need to believe what Jesus said. Believe what Jesus said. Isn't that, that crazy? It seems so simple. And even though we are, it feels like we're chained and enslaved by sin with no way out, the answer is, simple. Believe what Jesus said. Let me, let me tell you what happened when I became a Christian. I was in a church service and just like everybody else struggled with sin, I was familiar with saying, oops, I did it again. Then when I, I raised my hand and prayed that prayer uh, for Jesus to come into my heart, guys, light beamed down from heaven. It was so cool. The, the angel Gabriel was off in the distance strumming a guitar, singing the hallelujah chorus. It was incredible. And I've never been tempted to sin again. It was awesome. <laughs> Not at all true though. Becoming a Christian doesn't make you behave in a perfect way, but it does mean that I get to choose a better way. Before I met Jesus, everything I did was for me. Even if I was going to do something good, I would do it just to be a good person for me, to make me feel good. Sin was everything, controlled me. It was like the only choice I had. But when I became a Christian, all of a sudden, my life wasn't about me anymore. I'm living for Jesus. This is huge. This means that you and I 
we have the ability to sin, but we don't have an obligation to sin. We can have some freedom. This is encouraging today. You and I, nobody's forcing us to sin. We get to choose life. We get to choose freedom. Let me say it again. We might have the ability, but now we have freedom and we have no obligation to it. We are not hopeless. We are not helpless. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting. He defeated the power of sin in our lives. If the son has set you free, say it with me. You are free indeed. Come on, Jesus has set us free. But so often we we choose to go back to what we were enslaved to. Why? I think it's because maybe we believe that the offer that sin has is better than the offer that Jesus has. We think that to give up sin would result in less happiness, less pleasure, less, less fun. We, we think that when we sin, that sin's way is better than Jesus's way. <laughs> when we sin, we're saying that we believe that, that sin's promise of, uh, name it, is better than Jesus's promise. Example, when we uh, push the boundary, when we hook up, we're saying that sin's promise of immediate gratification is better than Jesus's promise of lifelong fulfillment. Or we think that sin's promise of, of some shady business deals that may give us a little bit more money are better than Jesus's promise of peace that comes from being a person of integrity. <laughs> we think that sin's promise of fill in the blank, Whatever it is, is better than a full, abundant life that Jesus has promised us. The problem is, we may say we believe Jesus, but when it comes to how we choose to live, too often we choose to believe sin. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we really believe what Jesus said, not just memorized what Jesus said, but actually took him at his word. I wonder what would change if we all really believe that John 10, 10, when Jesus said he came to bring life and life to the full, would anything be different in our lives? Matthew 6, says that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else would be given to us as well. Come on, somebody. What would happen if we choose to believe what Jesus said? Would we make better decisions? Would we live with fewer? or regret. Mark 10 says that no one who has sacrificed anything for Jesus or the gospel would fail to receive a hundred times more along with persecutions, but then life eternal. When we feel like giving up, if what if we believed what Jesus said in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled or do not let your hearts be dismayed. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Do you hear that? Jesus saying, believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, then I will come back and I will take you with me to be with me. So where I am, you also will be. Jesus is coming back and I believe him. Friends, we need to believe what Jesus said. Satan is a liar. His promises are empty. He wants nothing but to kill, steal and destroy our lives. I need to remind myself not to believe the empty promise of sin but to instead simply believe what Jesus said. We need to believe what Jesus said, but we also need to confess what we did. I, I, know, I know no one wants to confess their sin. What does it even mean anyway? To confess is basically owning what happened. I sinned. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to own up to it. <laughs> this is what you need to know. You were only as strong as you are honest. If you and I can't be honest, 
then we can't be healed. It's that simple. You remember those seeing tests we used to take in school? The, the chart in the background, and you had to read the, the letters in the back? One time, I just wanted to get to recess. I didn't want to do any stupid tests. So even though my, my vision was very blurry, I just, I wasn't honest. I told the doc that I could read everything. And guess what happened? I wasn't honest, so I didn't receive the help that I needed. I was walking around nearly blind because I couldn't own up to or confess the fact that I couldn't see. We are only as strong as we are honest. We need to confess what we did because sin grows best in the dark. Sure, there, there might have been peer pressure around your decision. Maybe you're under the influence, uh, but we need to own our part. And here's the best part. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, even though we take ownership of our sin and confess it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to then take ownership of it and bury it. Come on, somebody. That's not reason to rejoice. I don't have one. We've got to take a moment and give Jesus some praise. Where are the praise hands in the chat? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody blow up this chat and throw that coffin emoji in there because your sin has been buried and remembered no more. Even though we take ownership of sin and confess it. Jesus will take ownership of that sin and bury it. The punishment for our sin was put on him so that we could have peace with God. So, so who or how do we confess? You need to know this. We need to confess our sin to God for forgiveness. And then we need to confess our sin to the right people for healing. First John uh, chapter one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness because of the cross of Jesus. When we confess our sins, he forgives us. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to bargain with God. We have to believe him. Trust that your past is forgiven, that your sins are, are removed as far as the East is from the West that he casts our sins into the sea and remembers them no more. They are gone. Jesus paid it all. He canceled the record of the charges that stood against us. He nailed them to the cross and he left them in a grave. When we confess our sin to God, we confess it for forgiveness, but we also need to confess our sins to the right people for healing. And that key word is right people, not just any people. We aren't just going to a random person. We're going to the people in our lives who love us, who trust us, and who want the best for us and who deeply love Jesus. Why? Well, well Jesus' brother, James, writes this, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. He says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. There is power when a righteous person prays. It's powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person. Make sure to find the right person and the right person is someone who is mature in their faith. There's something powerful when you open up to the right people. And maybe for you, that's a spouse. Maybe it's a group leader, a friend, a pastor. You open up to them and, and you get to experience the forgiveness of Jesus. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, man, I challenge you to jump into a group after the service or, or DM us on Instagram if you're watching this a little bit later. Talk to a pastor. We like to say that church is the safest place to have the hardest conversations. When you confess your sins to God, you're forgiven. But when you confess them to a friend and you hear your friend re audibly repeat the truth of the gospel that you're forgiven, healing happens. Let me read this to you. This is 
somebody who confessed their sin to God. His name was David. He writes this in Psalm 32. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Does anybody feel that way right now? But finally, I confess my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All of my guilt is gone. Do you want forgiveness, friend? Or do you want all of your guilt? God, just confess what you did. His grace is enough to get free from the cycle of sin that we find ourselves in too often. We need to believe what Jesus said. We need to confess what we did and we need to block how it happened. Block how it happened. Turn to somebody next to you if you're at your house and block them. You need to block how it happened. These are the keys. This is the road to freedom. Believe what Jesus said, confess what we did and block how it happened. You're only as strong as you are honest. And if you're not able to be honest with the details of how it happened, and if, if sin was fun, which it normally is, if, if you're doing it right, then you're destined to do it again. You, you know I'm right. You have no option. We've all experienced this. You're going to keep running back to it. You're going to keep returning to it. You need to block how it happens so it never happens again. Second Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. That, that's anything. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. We need to run from it. Block it. Get serious about this. In my own life, I, I won't be alone with a woman who's not my wife. Why? I'm blocking even the potential to be tempted. I've got my phone so locked down. I've got so many restrictions that you couldn't access something inappropriate on it. Even if you tried, I'm blocking it. <laughs> you might be thinking, man, I can't believe Lewis is that weak. That's not, not, not at all the case. I'm not that weak. I'm not wise. I know that I'm, I'm 60 seconds away from stupid. And, and why, would I, why would I choose something that I, I, I don't want for myself. The question is why battle a temptation later that you can block now? I, I won't let that into my life. I will eagerly restrict my freedom so that I can experience the freedom that Jesus has for me. So what do you need to block in your life? How can you block how sin happens in your life? Do you need to jump into counseling? <laughs> we, we probably all need to. Do you need to find an accountability partner? somebody who's going to ask you the hard questions. Maybe you share your location with your group, everybody in your group, so they can track you and maybe they'll call you or FaceTime you if you go somewhere you're not supposed to be. Do you need to have somebody check the bank transactions in your account? Is that serious? Yes. But if we refuse to live anything other than the life God has for us, man, we're not doing it right at all. The life of purpose, hope, joy, freedom, and love, it's all out in front of us. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us the truth that the temptations in your life are no different than what everybody experiences. But God is faithful and he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. How encouraging is that? That there will always be a way out, but, but just imagine with me, how great would it be 
If we could limit the number of times that we need it out, because we blocked temptation from getting in. Why battle a temptation later that you can block now? If we ever want to find freedom, we need to block how it happens. We need to, to block how it happens. Friends, uh, I, I do this every day in my life. I, I need to believe what Jesus said. I need to confess what I did and I need to block how it happens. Even still, so often we, we fail. But scripture tells us, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus is the answer. When we, when we do it again, it's Jesus. When we fail again, it's, it's Jesus. When Peter did the very thing that he said he would never do, when he denied Jesus three times, full of shame, he, he walked away. He gives up on Jesus thinking that Jesus was dead, not believing what Jesus said when Jesus predicted the resurrection. And then he went back to the very thing that Jesus called him out of. He went to his old job. He went fishing, but he came up empty. He didn't catch anything. Just like how we keep returning to the things God has called us out of, we always come back empty. It never delivers. But in the morning, he's out fishing on this, on this boat, Sea of Galilee. He's, he's fishing in the, in the morning, a man standing on the beach, way off in the distance. And he tells him to cast their nets on the other side. He remembers, somebody told me to do that once. So they, they cast their net over. They pull up so many fish that, man, record payday. And they recognize that it could only be Jesus. When Peter realized that it, that it was, Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to Jesus. He gets to the beach and, and sees that Jesus made some breakfast. Why? That, that's an odd thing for Jesus to do right there. Peter failed Jesus so many times. And the first thing Jesus did was, was bless him and make him breakfast. I think the answer is that, that, that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Not the judgment of God, not the anger of God, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Jesus is the answer. Jesus gives us the grace. Jesus makes us new. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe you've said, oops, I did it again too many times. Maybe you recognize that I'm caught in a cycle of doing the very things that I never want to do, but I keep on doing them and I don't know a way out today is the day. Now is your time. If you want to receive the free gift of salvation, this is your moment. You can turn away from how you've lived life because it wasn't working out anyway. You can receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Today, you can turn your life over to Jesus and make him your Lord. It means he's in charge now. You, you repent of your sin. You turn from your sin. You commit to leaving the old behind. You can follow Jesus now. He gives you a completely new life. He, he reorders everything. He changes your desires. He gives you a new start. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So friend, if you want to pray that prayer with me in the chat right now, I want you to write, I prayed that prayer. I'm praying that prayer. We're going to pray it together. Jesus, 
Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I believe you rose again. I believe that I will rise with you. I give you my life. I turn from my sin. I receive your grace and forgiveness. And now, for the rest of my life, as best as I know how, I will follow you. Amen. Some of us just prayed that prayer, and and I'm so proud of you. And others of us, we're about to jump into groups and we need to spend a few moments just being honest, believing what Jesus said, confessing what we did and figuring out how to block how it happens. So as we jump into groups tonight, or maybe you need to reach out to a pastor, DM us on our Instagram account, cf.youngadults. We want somebody to talk through this, this content with you, figure out how in your life you can step into and find freedom. We love you so much. We're going to see you right here next week. We need to believe what Jesus said, confess what we did, and block how it happens.